Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 29 of IG2G. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Eric, and as always with me is the illustrious, wonderful Mr. Matt. Hey, guys. Matt has decided today he's just going to go down the throwback retro alley. He's taking you to all sorts of things from the past, blast from the past coming at you. And on my end, you know what? Do you like wizards and warriors? Do you like all sorts of space stuff? Well, guess what? I'm talking about it, so stay tuned. Top 5 Releases First up this week, do you like Wizards and Warriors? Because I got some of those in the very first release here. Dropping the same day as this episode on the 15th for 50 bucks for the PS4 exclusively. I'm talking about Dragon's Crown Pro. Developed by Vanillaware, published by Atlas. If you don't know what Dragon's Crown is, think about like those old beat-em-up games, like that Dungeons & Dragons side-scroller game. Think about like... I mean, it's a it's a weird reference, but like you know, the side scrolling beat 'em ups of back in the day, like Ninja Turtles, like The Simpsons. This is kind of a throwback to that, but it's old school fantasy warriors, wizards, dwarves, Amazons, beautiful big titty witches, going around beating up monsters, doing quests, finding things. This game is absolutely beautiful. It was back when it came out on the PS Vita and PS3 a few years ago. Now it's back on the PS4 with 4K support for this lush, gorgeous, hand-drawn art. It's got a new orchestral soundtrack with English and Japanese voiceover options now. And let's see what else it got. Oh my god. It also includes all the DLC for the previous game, and you got cross-save and cross-play compatibility with the PS3 and PS Vita versions. So if you want to do some side scroll and beat him up action if you want to do quests and figure out stuff and level up your hero and get all kinds of cool abilities dragon's crown pro is going to be for you i guarantee if you liked all those previous side scroll and beat em ups back in the day when they actually used to make those this one's going to be fantastic you're going to love it guaranteed keeping in the theme of wizards and warriors i've got a wonderful title for all of you boys and girls out there i'm talking about wizard of legend developed by contingent 99 out on the switch may 15th 2018 and by switch i mean the eShop. that is a digital version of this game available for you boys and girls this game is another roguelike adventure game you inhabit this little teenager individual doesn't really specify you go to the museum of wizardry and you go through this little tour and if you accomplish little trials boom you're warped into this fantastical mystical procedurally generated world in which you start to learn all sorts of different spells in fact there's over a hundred of them and then there's all sorts of different relics in this game that you can also acquire to differentiate your your particular character and that's the whole point of this game is you're going to go through these like I said, procedurally generated dungeons. You're going to try different combinations of earth, fire, water, air, all the different elemental skills and spells, and then these different relics that boost different skills and different spells, etc. And then you're going to go up against these bosses and all sorts of different enemies and different uh, environments like fire dungeons, ice dungeons. You know what I'm talking about. You're starting to get the theme here, all elemental stuff. But you got to be careful, and the big, the big kick in this game is that you want to make sure you manage all of your spells and relics in such a way that you can make it all the way to the end in one go. Meaning you're going to have to find the perfect combination of spells, and etc. that's going to get you through a whole assortment 
of awesome bosses and baddies who are going to throw all sorts of different things at you and can be immune to different things, etc., etc. If you die, you lose all your stuff, but you'll keep some of your gems, which will allow you to, you know, get a boost and get a feel for what you got to do next. Plus, you'll be able to rebuy a bunch of the different spells, etc., from the plaza, which is going to be the hub area, and there'll be trade merchants and all that good stuff there. So, if that sounds cool, which it does to me, I'd say, hey, go check it out, Wizard of legend whoa next up this week dropping on the 8th of may for only 20 bucks i'm talking about tacoma for the ps4 now i know everyone's saying hey you guys talked about tacoma on a previous episode of ig2g ages upon ages ago well now it's out for the ps4 developed and published by fulbright who are the people who did gone home this is another really excellent narrative based game this one's all about exploring in abandoned or seemingly abandoned or maybe fully abandoned space station but what you have is like an ar device so that you can view the actions and the conversations and everything that the crew members did while they were still on the station now this allows you to rewind fast forward follow people as they move through the station so you can watch what they did so you can uh, you know figure out solutions to puzzles so you can progress further so you can see more conversations if you like narrative based games you like gone home if you like fulbright studios this is going to be some more good stuff from them this one in a more sci-fi setting with a little ar device it sounds pretty cool to me it looks pretty cool the graphics are pretty nice if you're interested in this kind of thing this is going to be right up your alley i'm going to get it as soon as i get some fundage over here from my ps4 and i'm going to have a great time so check it out it's tacoma so Matt wanted to switch it up a little bit and jump into space, but I'm going to bring it right back into medieval times, and I'm talking about the Battle Chasers Night War for the Nintendo Switch. And some of you may be thinking, well, gosh, bless Eric, you've talked about this title before. I have, but I talked about it back when it was coming out on the PlayStation 4 and all those wonderful systems, and then we found out, oh, guess what? The poor Switch doesn't get it when everybody else does. Hey, guess what? It's out on the Switch now, everybody. Who's Yes, as of the 15th this month, right now, as we're talking here, it is out. You can go get it on the Switch. So what is this game? It's a Japanese RPG, but not made in Japan. So it's got a lot of, like, Western influence to it, but still keeps in the same vein of the old traditional RPG in which you have attack, abilities, items, magic, etc., etc. It has beautiful, beautiful artwork. And then, of course, it has up to six different characters, and you can play with three at a time, and you go through all these wonderful adventures, stopping the bad guys. It's your typical medieval tale. And, of course, the different characters have different abilities. You've got your melee users, your magic users, your fist users now the only downfall i do want to state here for everybody is that unfortunately in this game and this is where the kicker is in most rpgs when you have your three players you're not playing with they'll gain minimal xp so you don't have to quite worry about them as much and then their weapons will be upgraded etc along with the rest of your players and this one it's old school they do not level with the rest of your players. If you're not using them, they're not leveling. Their weapons are not leveling. So if you want to switch your players mid-round, guess what, boys and girls? You're going for grind and central, and you're going to have to go back and grind baddies all the way up until that character you want to play with is up to par with the rest of the characters. Some people love it, some don't. I just wanted to give a big warning to everybody out there who might not be a fan of that because that is something that happens in this particular game. I am game. down with that. I am a fan of that old-school system. I don't... I mean, as nice as it is to just be like, oh, I don't even have to worry about stuff. That's not realistic. If you want Geralt to be really good, you got to play with Geralt. If you want Susie to learn some spells, you got to play with Susie. You can't just have her sitting in the back going, oh, I just figured out how to do Fire 3. No, no way. Level that shit. I agree. And 
and it also makes you decide who you want to play with, and it makes you you know make a yep. choice. And if you don't, you're penalized, and you have to go back and grind and change your decision, which is perfectly fine with me. I'll say it again. Artwork in this game is beautiful. The colors are outstanding. Uh, it was based off an old comic strip that I've never read, but I hear you know had real high praise, but never stuck around for very long. So if this sounds interesting to you, it is out on the Switch as of tomorrow, which is today for all of you wonderful listeners, and it's already out for all the other systems. I still recommend you go give it a shot. And last but not least, dropping on the 8th again for only 30 bucks. this one dropped for the Switch and the PS4. We took it from medieval to sci-fi, back to medieval. Now I'm going to do a little paradigm shift here, and we're going to go into like Arabian Nights. So sort of medieval-ish, but not really. And you know, Arabian theme. This is Shantae Half-Genie Hero Ultimate Edition. What the hell is Shantae? I hear everyone saying. I actually know about this because I got one of the Shantae games. I'm a PS4. Shantae is a Metroidvania-style game, and it's just a kind of a light-hearted, fun take on that genre you play a shantae who is a half genie oh my gosh it says shantae half genie hero and don't be put off by the graphics she looks kind of like a mascot character for like you know a girly game that you'd see in like the 90s ish or like you know ps1 era but these games are really well put together they just have a really light-hearted tone and kind of like whimsical graphics but the gameplay is still there you're still doing all the metroidvania stuff you're looking for this ability that's way on this corner of the map that you can use to unlock that thing over on that other corner of the map and just because the story is a little goofy and the characters are a little fun it doesn't mean the game's not awesome you got big bosses you like i said you got all kinds of abilities because this is the ultimate edition this has all the dlcs for the game that have come out so you got new characters new storylines new abilities new costumes all kinds of fun stuff like I said, Shantae is a fun game. If you don't know it, there's a whole bunch of them, I think, for like GBA and DS mostly. They've been coming out to PS4, you know, a little bit here and there over the last couple of years. And if you got a Switch, obviously, this is probably the first Shantae you can play on the Switch. Just grab it up. It'll be a fun time. Don't expect, you know, like brutal hard difficulty, but you'll have some challenge in a lighthearted, fun, you know, whimsical little environment. So grab it up. Have yourself a fun time. It's Shantae, man. Number five. So the first thing I'm talking about this week, it's a series of not really games, but they kind of are games. They're kind of presentations, but you do interact with them and you solve puzzles and do all kinds of stuff. What the hell am I talking about? If you're a big IG2G fan, you might remember back in episode 12, I talked about this game called The Evolution of Trust, which was all about cheating in games and how, you know... You'd have players who would, you know, automatically do the right thing. Some that would cheat, some that would cheat sometimes, some that would cheat if they, if you cheated them first. And it was this big interactive presentation of all about how all those different personality types would succeed or fail as you know the your sample size got a lot bigger. Well, this dude Nikki Case who did that is back again with the Wisdom and or Madness of Crowds, and this is a game slash simulation slash flash presentation all about how like trends and perceptions and information move through crowds and you know groups and circles that you have it's really hard to explain but as soon as you get into the presentation you'll understand it like one of the examples they have is you know some famous survey said of university students said that literally every university student who was polled said that all of their friends drink more than them and it's like well how does that happen somebody has to be you know the 
big man on the totem pole. But if you ask that person who someone says he's the biggest drinker in the group, he would say that everyone he knows drinks more than him. So you get to in this game slash simulation slash presentation, you get to figure out how that works. You get to connect the dots between the people and see how their perceptions change. And you get to see how information flows along these lines within this group, within the society, to see how information goes along, to see how like ways of thought can be changed. It's really, really interesting. It's really hard to talk about in an audio format on a podcast, but it's all about like network science and the the science of group thinking versus individual thinking and how, you know, if you have a couple of friends who believe the thing, you're more likely to believe it and pass it on to your group over here. But if the group is in isolation and everyone feels the same way, then it's harder for new ideas to get in there and infiltrate that groupthink scenario. It's really fascinating. I thought it was really interesting. And just, I mean, it's presented in a fun game style way. Like when you make all the connections to make the simulation come out the way that they ask you to, you get like a poof of confetti and it says, yeah, you win. Let's go on and try and do it another way. It's really interesting and you can really kind of take and extrapolate these themes and go a lot deeper with it. The whole presentation has like, oh, well, that's interesting, but what about this counter-argument that I've heard about? And it'll take you to an outside link on the website, and you can learn all about it. So you can take this as deep or as shallow as you want, but, you know, in this age of fake news and misinformation that gets spread around by people, and I'm using quote fingers because you can believe or not believe that to whatever you think, there's a really kind of a topical thing and a really cool way to see how you know, that information chain goes and how, you know, if you don't have outside thoughts or outside influences in your circle, how hard it is for new ones to get in and how easily it is for currently held ideas to just sit there and stay and not be influenced by the outside world and how you can interplay between groups, but there has to be a certain amount, blah, 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 blah. Like I said, really hard to say in an audio format, but if you get into it, it takes like 20 minutes maybe to get through all the different challenges and all the different examples. Really a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And then going on from that, there's another really quick one on his website, which is ncase.me, ncase.me. There's one called The Parable of the Polygons, which is all about inherent bias and how biases that you can hold can affect society overall. Like, it's a cute little demonstration slash game about squares and triangles. Triangles like to be with other triangles, but they won't move unless there's, you know, unless there's only 30% of the same shape around them. So you move them around and you see how those small biases affect the society as a whole of these shapes. You could run all kinds of different simulations with different bias levels and see how the shapes all segregate themselves out over time just based on these tiny, tiny differences. It's really, I mean, it is a game, but it's not a game, but it was just really interesting and something that really sparked, you know, my interest and my brain. And I went, wow, this is really fascinating to look at. And then again, it's something you can extrapolate into the real world with, I'm trying to not be like, hey, it's about racism and segregation, which at the at the very, very most basic level it is, but it's not really because it's it's again, it's about like ideologies and how if you think this way and there's just you know a tiny bit of change, you can change the entire society overall as a whole in this vast way by making these tiny little differences. So you can take both of these as deep or as shallow as you want on a base level. They're just little fun simulations you can run with cutesy little 
dots or triangles and squares. Really cool, really interesting, really fun. Like I said, the uh, the Evolution of Trust was really good. If you did play that for you know the 15 minutes that that took and enjoyed it, this is some more stuff. Hit up ncase.me. Really awesome, fascinating things to think about. I enjoyed them a whole heck of a lot. Number four. It's been a long time, everybody. It's been a long time since I've got to talk about this wonderful little title called Destiny Boo. 2. Boo! Oh, Shut up about Destiny later. 2. Nobody you likes talk that about game. it all the dead. damn time. Boo! It's dead. <laughs> Boo! Well, be that as it may, Destiny 2 Warmind for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and of course PC has arrived as of May 8th of this year. And with it, came a lot of hopes, a lot of uh, hesitation, and a lot of angry fans, to be honest. Uh, Sounds fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, great. (laughs) Destiny 2 has been on a downward slope. It's no secret. Everybody who plays knows what I'm talking about. Uh, They haven't been fulfilling what they I wouldn't want to say promised the fans, but what fans expected, the lessons they learned from 1 into 2, etc. They didn't bring all that forward. It's been a whole thing. I'm not going to go into that tonight, but I do want to make sure everybody understands that because some of my views and some of what I'll talk about here briefly is going to be reflected in Destiny 2's Warmind. So, of course, if you don't know... Destiny 2 Warmind is the second expansion, being Osiris was the very first one, and it does improve itself from that one dramatically. However, all in all, there's another one in September, which is going to be the Taken King size. That's the one where everybody will probably end up coming back that has lost interest in this game. So for those of you still listening and still caring and wondering, should I pop in at all? Let me tell you. All right. So the story begins with some going ons on mars so you head over there you find out that anna bray's over there and whom is a really cool character and she goes hey look man i need to wake up rasputin rasputin's this crazy evil war mind man and well i shouldn't say evil some believe he may be evil he may not be evil he's just an ai that was made to protect earth and the universe etc etc but the hive have come down and they're all causing a ruckus going bananas and you're got to go in there and save the day that's the story. That's the general premise of this whole title. The campaign's about two and a half to three hours long. A lot of fun. I enjoyed the interactions between the players that were involved, which I won't say just in case you haven't got in there yet. But it leads to a very cool set of boss fights at the very end, which I found to be very enjoyable. A couple cool mechanics going on with both fights that I found fun and hope that they uh, iterate on more in the future with some of their bosses instead of just being tank and spanks and you know your basic general bosses i like the way they're going i like that direction so definitely a plus for me i wish the campaign itself was a little bit longer however but what do you do as for the weapons as you know the weapons or may not know the weapons in destiny 2 have been a little lackluster there haven't been a lot of uh, differentiation once you find a good set you like you don't switch it up very much and that's not good because this whole game is based off loot and you finding better, better, better loot to improve your gameplay and have a good time with it. Well, they went ahead and took a, a bunch of the exotics, tweaked what they do, made their mechanics a little more enjoyable, a little more flashy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I do appreciate that, and I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. I'm having more fun checking out some of the weapons I haven't really played with in a long time. Is it enough? Not yet. 
I don't think they've done enough with the weapon differentiation yet to make it, oh my gosh, Bungie's finally fixed it. So, yes, decent. I would say come back in, check out a couple of your favorites. You might you might like what you see and have some fun. And then, of course, we have the PvP portion. This is where they did something really cool. They went ahead and added uh, Valor and Glory. Glory is the competitive ranking mode in which you play, where you'll go on the leaderboards, your ranks go up, etc., through the different seasons, and you'll be placing and playing with those in your rank. And this is where you get to get glory and become a bad man pajama in the pvp universe and be awesome valor is where all the scrubs and the uh, non-tryhards can go and just have fun once again you do get ranks per season in which you'll get cool little goodies and emblems and things to wear it's it's a lot of fun and it makes you feel good every numbers always make people feel good whenever you get a new rank or whatever you're just like oh yeah i'm better now So, by attrition, you will go up and you'll get your ranks and it'll be fun and it's cool. I like what they're doing there, the private matches, all this other stuff they're implementing to make the PvP more fun. And, of course, with the weapons tied into that and how they're kind of tweaking them up to make it uh, uh, a little bit more interesting and making it so the supers or the power weapons are up more so you're doing real big plays and having fun with it, I'm digging it. I went and did a whole bunch of rounds with it just recently. I was having a bunch of fun. I felt like the uh, power ammo was up all the time. All you had to do was go get it, and you were shooting you know, heavy rounds at people, blasting them out of the sky, laughing, getting killed yourself and getting angry. You know how it goes if you enjoy PvP. Beyond that, you get to the end game. And this is where the problem is, most of all, because around 345, you hit a soft cap. And the two end game, which is the uh, raid layer, and which is the trial of the stars, I believe you're going back to the uh, the old big ship, and then the new escalation protocol, which is a public event, in which you gather a whole bunch of players, come in, you activate this thing, and you got to go through these wave bases and defeat them horde mode, like, and you got to survive them all to get the reward. You have to be three. They recommend three seventy. To go in here. Otherwise, I've been in a couple of these Escalation Protocol events. You get your rear end handed to you. These enemies hit like Mack trucks. Okay? So, realistically, you're not touching these till you're 365, 370, just like it says. But the soft cap's 345. Well, Heroic Strikes reward like 335, 336 gear. You're not getting your gear from there unless you get lucky with the purple once in a while, etc. You can go PvP, grind that once again. Once in a while, you get real lucky with the purple here and there. The grind is real. You will grind for a couple weeks, probably, for some of you, more for others who are more casual, just to get to the point where you're going to be able to do the new raid layer and then the new escalation protocol, which is where you're going to get your top end gear. And I find that's kind of silly because when you get to endgame, shouldn't you be doing endgame content to get the, the best of the best gear? Not grinding endlessly on old content, doing your weeklies, etc., to get your power uh, your power level emblems or whatever they're called, the light purple ones, and then that gets you slowly, incrementally raised up to the point where you can do that. I know they were trying to find a way to slow down the progress so players weren't instantly getting to the top and then stating that they're, there's no to do or I'm the best and da-da-da-da-da, but I don't feel like this was the way to do it. I feel like there's got to be a better way to slowly get you up there and into the right gear. And I think, and I know everybody says this, but it's just the truth. They've got to take a look at Diablo 3 and how that loot system is and try to get that mixed into this game 
because it's all about the stats. I'm convinced you got to get the stats into this game to where the stats are what really elevate you and make you end game. You can get the illustrious sword of blah blah blah, but if it ain't got the right stats, it's not the best one. It's not the one you want. So you're going to keep grinding for it. So they got to reiterate that whole thing and it all ties together as you're starting to hear in just that everything seems like a half measure, a half step. It's not quite there. And I know that sounds bad, but I'll tell you this. I've been having fun with it. I've been back in it now for a solid week. I intend to keep playing for a couple more weeks for sure because I want to check out the Escalation Protocol and I have fun in that. But is it going to keep me invested in it up until the September Big Dog release? Probably not. I'll probably be back in for a few weeks and then I'm going to disappear again unless... They come out with some patches or something or something else to keep me interested. And, of course, as a side note before I end this, I will state there are two new strikes, but only two if you're on PS4. There's only one strike for a PC and Xbox, which is pretty crummy mm. considering that the new one strike is just uh, the last mission redone. So, really, you get nothing new unless you're a PS4 owner and then you get one new strike. So I think they screwed up there. They really should have put in a couple strikes, worked on that a little bit more. I know time's the thing and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but I'm sorry to say that it's fun. If you're a big hardcore Destiny player, uh, if you're a big hardcore Destiny player, get in there. It is enjoyable. The story is fun, and I think you'll you'll like it, but I just don't think it's going to have you sticking around. Number three. So next up, I got a retro-themed Matt's Indie Game Showcase 3-pack for you guys. And the first one, it's not even an entire game. This is a mod. This is a Doom mod. It works with original Doom and Doom 2. This is by a dude named JP LeBreton. It's available free on Itch.io. This is a mod called Mr. Friendly. Now everyone knows Doom. Everyone loves Doom. You run around blowing the crap out of monsters, killing everything. What is Mr. Friendly? Mr. Friendly is a Doom mod where you go around and you perform quests for the little monsters. You get to meet them, you get to talk to them. Every little demon's got a name, he's got something to say. And you basically help him out live a little life in kind of either the wake of a Doom Guy attack or pre-Doom Guy attack. You go around, you talk to him, he's like, Oh man, you know, my son really wants to get a pet, but I don't know what to get him. How about a derp fish? Maybe you could go find me a derp fish. And you're like, all right. Little imp, I'll go help you out, and I'll go over to the uh, little the little lava over here, and I'll fish, and I'll grab me a derp fish, and I'll bring it back, and he'll be like, thanks, dude. My son's really going to love this derp fish. And it's like, oh, cool. And this other guy's like, oh, I heard about this cool item called like a, a crispy cruncho. What is that? I don't know. And so you get a little recipe for a crispy cruncho. And he says, would you go make one of those for me and bring it back? So you go and you find all the little items. You make up, a, you craft up a crispy cruncho and you bring it back. And the caco demon goes, oh, man, thanks a lot. This is pretty cool. You're a really nice guy. So you're going around doing fun things, doing nice things for all these demons. If you're tired of shooting stuff, if you want, just want to like a friendly, just fun little zoom around, you're like flying around. All the different items have different names with them, and they've got like a little a little box that has like your your guardian demon. That's what you're playing. Your guardian demon's thoughts about it. Like I think the health pickups. It says gum. It's like it's a box of gum, and then he says, "Well, I've never actually opened the one of these, so I don't really know if gum's in it or not." It's just it's just cute. It's fun. If you want to take a break from all the murder and all the death and all the bad things, if you want to be a nice guy for once, especially in Doom, grab up this mod and be Mr. Friendly. 
Now, if you're nostalgic for the days of the early internet, if you missed those ads where like people would like be like a 3D surfer man, like surfing the the circuits of of the machine, if you missed like reboot. The next up, I got Hypnospace Outlaw, which is a game that was kickstarted in 2016 that will be coming out sometime later here in 2018. It's actually been shown off a little bit. This is like an alternate reality 1999 where there is a... The hyperspace is a version of the internet that people access while they're asleep. So you kind of like go in and log in. You're going through all these old internet like GeoCities looking websites. And what you're doing in the game is you're basically a cop. So you're investigating these websites you're downloading files you're you're checking out and making sure everything's kosher but it's all influenced in that like like i said that really early internet age of like those ads were people weren't really sure what this should look like or what it would look like or how to conceptualize what you're doing so it's like you know think of like something like tron or reboot that kind of like this is what a computer kind of is but nobody really understands so we're just kind of kind of have to like show it off in like a weird way that doesn't really make sense, but it makes sense because you're excited about it and you want to surf on those circuit boards and do that thing. Go check out the reveal trailer. It just, it just blew me back to those early internet days. And it just looks like, you know, my childhood growing up, seeing these crazy websites and these poorly rendered GIFs and like low res art on these big loud websites with the black background and all the neon print just totally took me back to those days. So if, you, if you're nostalgic for those days, keep an eye out for this. Go check out the Reveal Trader. Like I said, it's Hypnospace Outlaw. It'll be fun. It'll be awesome. You can also hit up their Discord for access to the beta. And from what I've heard, their Discord is actually set up like a 90s website. And you can upload your own 90s style website to the Discord and become part of like this whole community of retro internet enthusiasts. Really cool stuff. Really interesting and unique things. And then last but not least, I have a story about a new Super Nintendo game, an actual Super Nintendo cartridge you can buy. Mm-hmm. This is made by Devolver Digital, who are an awesome company. I mean, every time we bring up Devolver Digital on the show, they're doing something cool or releasing something cool. This time they're releasing Fork Parker's Crunchout, which, like I said, is a full working Super Nintendo cart. And the main point of this game is you are a game publishing CEO and you've got to get your lowly devs, your art people and all this jazz. You got to get them motivated. You got to get them through crunch time so you can launch a game with the maximum profits possible. So what are you doing? You're jacking them up on coffee. You're making them work extended hours. You're bringing in unpaid interns. You're zapping them with cattle prods to get the work out faster. And, you know, this sounds like pretty bad stuff. Well, the whole purpose of making and releasing this game is 100% of the funds go to charity, which I believe is called Take This, which focuses on, you know, mental health issues, especially in the gaming industry. And, you know, the kind of... The kind of impacts that crunch time, which we've all heard about as gamers and a gaming culture, the negative effects of that and kind of bring those to light and then raising, you know, raising money for a charity that helps people who have, you know, had big issues because of these stressful working conditions. And it really was interesting when I was reading it and they were saying, you know, you can, you motivate your people with coffee and the shock treatment and stuff. And then when the profits roll in, you can buy a bigger espresso machine to keep them pumping longer and working longer hours. And the Kotaku article, you know, author said, well, yeah, this is kind of has, you know, kind of dark parallels to gaming companies that 
basically feed their people with pizza and beer instead of actual overtime hours. And I was like, whoa, that's nuts. And then there was another link to another Crunch Time article, and I went into that, and I was reading that, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then there was another link to a guy who has actual health problems from working in Crunch in AAA industry and then going in solo and crunching himself as a solo dev. It was really insane, and it really, like, opened my mind to this whole thing. So I figured maybe next time on IG2G, I'll research that stuff a little bit more. You'll get to, you know, hear some stories about crunch and the, the whole developer crunch thing. Because as a, as a, I feel like as a, a games fan society, we hear, oh, they're going into crunch time. We go, like, yeah, yeah, I work hard too. Puh. But then you don't hear like the, you know, working for like two months straight without a day off working like 100-hour work week, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely crazy stuff. So it's like, man, I'm going to look into that some more so you can look forward to that next time on IG2G. And in the meantime, go pre-order Fork Parker's Crunch Out, go hit up Hypnospace Outlaw, and then go be Mr. Friendly and meet some demons and have a great time. That's your Indie Game Showcase for this week, suckers. Number two. So keeping on the sad note involving, you know, crunch times and developers and publishers, et cetera, et cetera, it came to our attention today that Boss Key Productions, Cliffy B's whole unit, has shut down. And if you don't know who that is, it's the individuals who brought you Lawbreakers, which was a uh, Unreal and Quake 3 Arena type game, fast pace, shoot them up, flying all around, going bananas. And then uh, after that, that was, you know, not doing real well. There was problems. A lot of players didn't take to it. It was a whole a whole thing. I'm sure you've all seen it. They hurriedly tried to put together a uh, Battle Royale game called Radical mm-hmm. Heights in hopes that that would take, and then they would get some money back and then be able to keep going. Unfortunately, it was a little too late. Cliffy B put out a, a, a whole statement, and uh, they're shutting the doors, but for the for near future anyway not foreseeable future for the near future radical heights is still available for play so if you've got it already or if you want to go check it out it's still the servers are still up and open but it has shut down so there's a couple little topics you know i thought we'd get in here but i'll get your general opinion here first mr matt well i think this is something we've talked about on third shift proper about the overabundance of certain games in certain genres like lawbreakers was a hero shooter which obviously the big dog is overwatch and Radical Heights is the Battle Royale game when you have, you know, Fortnite and PUBG. And I feel like this is kind of, is like an after effect of the bubble that both of these are. Like, there's room for a couple, but once you start getting outside that bubble, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop and it's going to fade away. Because people have their favorites already. If you want to satisfy that urge, you already have your favorites. It's, it's getting too late for these smaller games, I think. I don't, I don't know. What about you? And that was leading right into kind of what I wanted to discuss was the fact that Cliffy B and his team brought in Lawbreakers, but they brought it in at the tail end of the entire war for the hero Mm -hmm. shooter. And not only did they bring in this title that was a hero shooter, but different, it was different in such a way that they were trying to relive the past. Mm -hmm. They were bringing, like like I said, it was in the image of like Quake 3 Arena and Unreal Tournament, etc., which are games that had their heyday, they had their time, they were real big back then, but they're not alive and well right Mm. now. Uh, Him and his team, they tried to fight a battle in two fronts, really. They tried to bring back a genre that's in the past and then meld it with a genre that's already had its war and has its 
undis- undisputable mm. champion in Overwatch. We saw the other titles just get trounced and fight the good fight, but none of them stood the test of time to Blizzard's Overwatch. So I feel like from the beginning, I just I questioned um, why Cliffy B would want to try mm. that because that seems like such a risky endeavor, and he was just starting with his business and his whole team, and I... It seems like the easiest option and the best option would have just been create something completely mm-hmm. new and try to move forward with like a unique title and something mid-grade to small to get your team going and then a little bit of cash in pocket and then move forward with maybe competing in the big market. I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like especially for Lawbreakers, I mean, I didn't see a whole lot of it other than its you know reveal trailers and then a little bit after that, but it was also you were talking about it being like Quake 3 Arena mixed with a hero shooter. And it was just like everything was so fast and like the gravity switching mechanic of it. Even just watching the trailer, I watched it and I went, I can barely get my head around what they're trying to show me, let alone think that I could ever do that in a game. So it like immediately put me off. And when you have hero shooters, again, that that are super accessible, like Overwatch or any of the other ones where you can just you get in and you can just play it. It's a, a fairly easy pace. It's, you know, it has all the tutorials in it, like built in right in the game. You can access with the press of a button if you don't know what's going on. It just, it yeah, it seemed like too ambitious. And then they put this weird spin on it that already alienated me. And I'm a big hero shooter player. There were just so many missteps along the way on that one. I don't, I don't really know what to say on, on Lawbreakers. Yeah, it's just an unfortunate thing because that one obviously didn't take. And, you know, you saw it through Cliffy B's uh, different Twitter messages and some of the team's messages that they really put their hearts into Mm -hmm. the game. They really were hoping that it was going to rock and roll and be a big takeoff and this was going to be their big break and allow them to really get in there and start making all sorts of cool, crazy titles because we know Cliffy B's capable of doing all that. And I'm sure everybody, he got all sorts of people from Epic and all over the place onto his team. So a lot of talented folk over there. It just didn't work. And then, of course, they made the second mistake, in my opinion, which was to try to bust into the Battle Royale genre while it's all big and hot Mm. right now. And on a quick aside, I hope that others are watching right now. Because Radical Heights did not take the way they had hoped. And for them, though, it might be slightly different because I think it was like a last-ditch effort to get some quick money. Mm to keep afloat, to then push and then finish that game and then make something else. and But as Cliffy B said, it was just a, you know, a little too late and they just had to shut the doors. But I still state that I don't think there's room for a lot of these Battle Royale games, at least in that particular iteration, 100 versus 100, drop down, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, I 100% agree with that because, I mean, you have your quote finger serious one in PUBG, and you have your silly one in Fortnite. There's not a lot of middle ground in there to work with. Like, I know they were trying to do like a cash prize type thing where you'd, you'd win money that you could go and upgrade your guy with. But what you had said earlier was, yeah, they were hoping they could raise some money so they could finish it. And that, that kind of brings in this two-pronged thing of, one, it's another Battle Royale game when people already have their favorites and you have to do a lot to make them switch over to a new one. But then the second part is, the last I heard, it was still just in early access. And the few you know gameplay videos I've seen of it, it was still super jank early access, too. Like, people would drop through the world, or textures would just disappear, characters would vanish if you tried to do an emote. 
So it's not even in a, what I would call a presentable state. I know it's early access and you can just put it out whenever, but it's not even in like a good state. So you're not going to pull anybody over. So if you're canning it before it's even done, well, nobody's going to jump on it because it's only half finished. I mean, not half finished, but you know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't know what you'd expect. It's, They'd only get in there as a novelty. Yeah. Like, what did you expect? Like, everyone to go to, I mean, Fortnite Battle Royale technically isn't in early access. Save the World still is. Fortnite Battle Royale is still just what it is. But it's like, you can't pull people from finished games to play an early access game that's not nearly finished. I didn't understand where this came from. Like, it was another one of those things of, oh, gosh, we did, an, we did a story on it many IG2Gs ago about people like, oh, well, if we get like a million players in our free weekend, we'll still develop this game. Well, we didn't, so we're pulling the plug. This seems like another one of those. Well, we didn't get a whole crap ton of money for this unfinished thing, so we're just not going to finish it. Well, how could you when it wasn't finished? I don't get it. I think it was just a, just a last-ditch play to yeah. you know hopefully keep afloat, and it didn't work, and unfortunately they've had to shut down. And, of course, that sucks. A lot of individuals now running around trying to find new jobs. But as we've said before and talked about before with other studios closing, when this kind of thing happens, you always see the Twitters and you always see the Facebooks and all those blowing up with different companies hiring and telling them, hey, come apply here, come apply here. So hopefully every member of that team can find a new home somewhere else, making titles that they enjoy. And it's unfortunate this happened, but I I feel like this is – one of those scenarios I hope other studios can learn from and it is you know, a cautionary tale, mm-hmm. I guess, is the way you know, I would say it because just a lot of different things, I think, were done strangely or was, and it just didn't work out. and It's unfortunate. It really is. I don't like seeing you know companies get fried like that, especially like Cliffy B, you know, who's put out a lot of good stuff in the past, mm-hmm. but I think they bit off a little more than they could chew on this one and... And it came back and got him. It is always sad when you see any kind of developer or video game studio closing. So best of luck to all those guys. I feel like it's a good cautionary tale of don't try to jump on the bandwagon of things just because they're popular, like, you know, their Battle Royale game. Focus on making things that you're good at. Stick with that. The money will come. And then maybe eventually you can kind of like creep some of those elements in. But stick to what your forte is and People will find it, and people will come. So, once again, lastly, just good luck, everybody out there. Wish you all the best. And, uh, yeah, holy moly, man. It's crazy times in the video game world. Dark days are here. Number one. So, last topic of the night is a topic we talked a little bit about on our, our other show proper, Mr. Third Shift. But in this one, we get to kind of go over all the games. And what am I talking about? That's the Walmart leak that happened this last week, in which case that Walmart Canada posted some games up for pre-order and then, of course, quickly took them right back off and said, oh, it was just a glitch in the Matrix, blah, 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 blah. It was just a mistake. It doesn't mean anything. Unfortunately, or fortunately, some of those games are already starting to come to pass so it's like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And some of those games were a new Just Cause, a new Splinter Cell, uh, a new Dragon Quest. And by Dragon Quest, I mean the Dragon Quest Builders, not Dragon Quest proper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lego DC Villains. This one I know nothing about. I'm, I'm not familiar with Lego stuff at all. I, I think that's uh, pretty much a safe bet, though, because they've been having 
Lego stuff popping out like every year. So that's, I wouldn't think that would be a big surprise. No, exactly. Borderlands 3, which is the one we discussed a little bit on Third Shift. Mm-hmm. Rage 2, which is one of the ones that has just been officially announced. Mm-hmm. Coincident? I don't know. I think not. Especially since Rage 2, nobody was really talking about it that much. And then all of a sudden, hey, look, it's leaked. Oh, whoa, it's leaked. Oh, trailer, trailer, trailer. Oh, here we go. Especially because, I don't know if you saw it, but Bethesda's actual official Twitter went, hey, look, guys, uh, here's all the things you did wrong with the Rage mm-hmm. 2 leak. Oh, here's what awesome. we would actually have and here, blah, blah, blah. It's like they actually responded to it and played off of it. So it's like, well, obviously. And then kicked off the whole thing. Yeah. So that was pretty clever on their end. Of just taking what had happened and moving forward with it. Maybe it was their plan all along to have it at this point in time. But I don't know. Either way, I thought it was pretty clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new Gears of War. Forza. A new Forza. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, a new Assassin's Creed. Most of these titles are not gimmies, but pretty much gimmies. Yeah. There's always a new Forza. There's a new Assassin's Creed. Likely, I thought... Didn't the one? Didn't this one come out? This one came out last year. Yeah, it came out end of last year, I think, or you know, tail okay. end. So I thought they would take uh, in every other year, like they did the the year this one prior. Mm. But I can definitely see them getting right back on that every year bandwagon again. I guess. I was gonna say it's Ubisoft, <laughs> man. That's what they've been doing for like ten years, and they only stopped because everyone got sick of it. So yeah, I think now that everyone loves it again. I was gonna say now that you got some goodwill back in, they'd be like, okay, well, how about Assassin's Creed Origins two, and then three, and then four, and five, and six, and seven, and eight? Exactly. <laughs> Why the hell not? <laughs> Gears of War five. This one doesn't really surprise me or anybody. I don't think. I mean, I was gonna say they just not rebooted, but had the new entry in the series not too long ago. So it's about time for the next one. Mm-hmm. The uh, as I said, the Dragon Quest Two Builders. That one was already been mentioned and talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. So once again, not a surprise. Something that could be coming out. Splinter Cell. That's been talked about and rumored about. I was gonna say, and they just either just released or have coming out really soon, like a Splinter Cell DLC or character pack or something for Ghost Recon Wildlands with Michael Ironside as Sam Fisher again. So you don't just pull him into the studio for like. A, a day just for a DLC. So obviously, I mean, that's kind of like a big hint that something's coming with him back as Sam. I mean, nothing, nothing's official, but when you see something like that, like, hey, look, remember Splinter Cell? Well, something's going to be mm-hmm. coming down the pipe for that. Exactly. And then with Just Cause, that's another no surprise to me, mm-hmm. you know? that's It's due for another one. Yep. So therefore, it just makes sense. So all of these... And, of course, one I didn't mention is Borderlands 3, which is the only one in which there's kind of like a man a, a debate going on right now with. Yeah. All these titles are very, very just, yeah, that makes sense. Those seem like something we're going to see at E3. And even if we don't see them at E3, we're going to see them at either that or PAX West or whatever yep. in between con there is. And they'll be released this, this year up until the, whatever the quarter is for March. They're going to be released this year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Borderlands 3 is one where Randy Pitchford himself has gone on to three different times that I've seen and told individuals, no, it is not happening. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, why do all of these make sense? But the one which does make sense, because you've been teasing this game for a year and a half, but this one's no. He's been announcing that they're working on it for like a year and a half, but then says that he can't announce that they've worked that they're working on it. 
but he mm-hmm. says that they are, but he can't say it. Th- so yeah, I, exactly. A lot yeah. of a lot of a lot of confuggery and confuggery. Mm. But the bottom line is that's the only one where we've gotten a direct statement that no, not happening, not being announced at E3, mm. or you know whatever wording he wants to utilize to state that we've talked about this on Third Shift proper. Yep. What's he actually mean when he says no? Is he just talking about it won't be revealed in that way, or it's not, you know, or is it not coming out this year? Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. But I would say that there is also a lot of like, oh, are these real? Are these real? Are these fake? And I think at this point, especially with the Rage Two thing going on, mm-hmm. and just the logic behind most of these titles, like you argued in Third Shift, are kind of give me. These are titles that you can realistically easily see this year, and without going, oh my god, I think Rage Two was the biggest. What yeah. really? And that one's actually coming to pass. So, well, duh, the rest of them are for sure. I mean, mm. in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I would really like this to spiral into like a bigger discussion, but I know we're running out of time here. But Kotaku had, in response to this big leak and all the rumors surrounding all these games, a really good article. I think it was a podcast, and then they transcribed it. But it's a really good article about... Why is there such secrecy in the games industry? Just like Randy Pitchford. Obviously, they're working on it, but if you keep saying you're not working on it, and if this is the case of, no, it's not going to be announced, and then surprise it is, what's the point of the secrecy and the surprise, especially if people know that these titles are in development? Because they know, because obviously they are. So I'd really like to get into that big whole discussion. Maybe we'll do it next time. But like... It doesn't make sense to have to hide things away. The Kotaku article made a good comparison of like the movie industry. Everyone knows when those go into pre-production, and the movie's coming out like two or three years later. Why can't the games industry do that? Why can't Bethesda say, "Hey, you know, we're working on Rage 2, and then you know we'll we'll drop you details when it's available." Or Randy Pitchford say, "Well, we're working on the next Borderlands or the sequel to Borderlands 2 or whatever," and. We don't have any details. We won't have any for a few years, but just know we're working on it. And then it can be a pleasant surprise. Hey, look, here it is, versus just nothing exists. Nothing exists ever until we get to show you a little trailer and then pop. Like, wouldn't excitement build if you know that something is getting worked on versus just, I mean, if you were a Rage fan, wouldn't you have wanted to know it was in the pipeline? So you could get excited versus now, like you said, it pops up and people kind of go, huh, really? I don't know. I mean, I'm stoked now that I hear it, but I agree 100% with it. Look at Death Stranding. Yeah. It's a title that's years off. Yeah. But he came out from pre-production and said, I'm doing this. This is happening. Look at this wacky thing I did. Mm-hmm. And he shows you something makes no sense. And everyone falls in love. Everyone's excited. No one's going nuts getting angry at him or anything. Mm-hmm. Because he, he came out and clearly said, hey, this is years down the road, but we're working on it, and we hope you're going to like it, and you're excited whenever we have information for you. Walks away. Done. And it keeps him and the game in your mind. Because if he just went for like four years with nothing, I wouldn't think about Hideo Kojima. I'd play Metal Gear and go, man, someday maybe I'll play another game by him. Now I know there's one coming out, and... At big events, maybe I'll get another cool trailer. Maybe I'll get another cool thing. People wait for teaser trailers for movies all the time. It's the exact same thing. Just do that. Do it. Just do it. Yeah. Well, video games is the only medium that does all this weird secrecy crap, as you were stating, which we can talk about in another time and tie that all in. But 
it's just weird and I don't see why it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And then everybody gets in these huge arguments and wars about what's coming and if it's true or not, if the leaks were right or leaks were wrong, and, oh, they're ruining this, ruining that. But what are they really ruining? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, the game's not awesome or something I really oh, want until I can have it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I want to see some pictures of it, and sure, I'd like to, you know, keep me in the loop, but... There's plenty of good titles out there. I, I'm more than willing to wait for it as long as I can see that you're working on it. Oh, yeah. And you go, look, man, check out this new image of Lilith or whatever. God, man, that looks great. These guys are really rocking it out. I can't wait to see more. And then I go back to playing whatever games I'm playing, happily knowing they're working on it. And it gives you that, you know, you can have that couple couple minutes in your head. Oh, man, I wonder, because she's got like a new scar over here. I wonder if that's going to be because of this. I wonder if that'll let you do that thing. You can, you can play around with it in your head versus now. Well, maybe it'll be anything. I don't know. There's nothing to go off of. You get nothing until there's a whole big dump of it. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know. I just feel like I'd rather have it in little tiny chunks and, like you said, keep it lightly on my mind for a couple of years rather than just, there's nothing, 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 nothing. Boom in your face. Look at this. Wow. It's insane. And then you can never know what they're going on to from that for like four more years. Four more years. Yeah. Yeah. And then you become disinterested, and some people get even outright angry and mm -hmm. walk away. And it's just a, it's old caribou blue, you know. Just goodness gracious, man. <laughs> so I would say to tie it all up, I think these leaks are real. Whether or not they're all going to be at E3, maybe not. Maybe not. You know, I, I have heard a lot of the arguments saying that they, you know, they're not all necessarily E3, and I have to agree with that. Mm -hmm. But I would say I think for sure these are all titles coming out this year. I mean, we've said it a million times already just in this topic alone. I think these are all gimmies. They're all sequels to big franchises. You know they're coming eventually. If it's not this year, if it's not early next year, you know they're coming. You know you know there's a new Assassin's Creed. You know there's a new Forza. You know there's new Gears. Because why would they not just print money by making more of these things that people just eat up like crazy? Why? Exactly. So give it a rest. It's all right. We all knew this stuff was coming anyway. It's only the only reason it's kind of exciting is because now you you know it's in the more foreseeable future mm -hmm. instead of just yeah it's you know it'll come eventually. Now you can say all right within a year time here I think we're gonna see all these titles hit, which is kind of good news. But I don't think it's nothing to shake a leg over except for maybe the Rage Two really because mm -hmm. that one I didn't really see coming because Rage One didn't really hit it off. So. Pleasant surprise for me because I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm excited to see where Rage 2 goes because the, the announcement trailer is all colorful and ridiculous. I'd like to see if they pop that up and make it a little more lively experience. And then other than that, unless you got anything else, it's time to wrap it up. Imposters Wrap Up. So what do you guys think about leaks, about news, about retro indie game showcases, about thought experiments, about wizarding and warrioring? What do you think about Cliffy B's studio closing down? You can let us know. You can send us your questions, your comments, your concerns. If you just want to say hi, you can do any of that stuff via email at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. And we also have a wonderful Patreon out there. If you like what you hear, you like what we're doing, please consider heading over there, throwing us a dollar, five dollars, three dollars, four thousand dollars, where you treat it like a tip jar. Anything and everything does help, and we very much appreciate it. 
There's also a bunch of tiers over there for you guys and girls. All sorts of little bonus activities, content, things you'll get a hold of, all that wonderful stuff. I once again say please head on over there. If you can't donate, that's also fine. You know what? Give us some messages, likes, thumbs ups, uh, mailbag questions, all that good stuff helps keep us motivated and help keeps us in these chairs rocking it out every single week for all of you absolutely and of course this podcast drops every two weeks on tuesday so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 29th of may for our very next episode you can find those episodes on itunes on stitcher and on Podbean. And as eric always says if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out please give us a like a rating review a comment a subscription any kind of good thing on any one of those good services because it does help us out and we really do appreciate it we really do Appreciate your five stars. And with that. And with that, Matt. (laughs) There's nothing else to say, but (laughs) don't don't forget forget to to save. save.